lives, Lord, with our praises, God, with our voices, we want to lift your name high and say that your name is the name above all names. God, we thank you that you have given us a physical presence in this earth, Lord, to, to be vessels of your worship. God, that our lives would be pour, poured out as an offering to you. God, I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful that you, that, you, that you are bigger than I could ever be. Lord, that you are stronger than I could ever hope to be. God, but that you aren't just bigger and stronger and better than I am, Lord, but you give us power through the Holy Spirit to be stronger, to be better, to be holy like you are holy. God, we are a church that believes that you have holiness planned for us. God, that you have victory planned for us. God, I pray that our lives would ever reflect that changing process, God, that we become more and more like you. God, within the depths of our hearts, that those caverns, they, they blow with winds of your word and your spirit. God, in every single thing that we do, whether it's the lives that we lead, God, whether it's the relationships that we have, the words that we say, God, may they be a beautiful reflection of who you are. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would till our soil this morning. God, that you would prepare it for the words that uh, you'd give, you have given me this morning. Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that we would be able to respond to your power, your presence, and your truth. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Don't you know that your body is a temple? Built to last, crafted by hand, knit in your mother's womb, your creator knows you. You were built for royalty, for a king, and you must know that he dwells in you. Every room, every adornment, every piece that has laid dormant has been searched and explored, and our father would never be bored. Don't you know that your body is a temple? Paid for at the price of a life once unclean, now made a bride. That as you sit and consider yourself, your heart still beats because of someone else. You are a temple built to last, a residence not constructed on sand. You are stronger than you know. You were made to weather storms, to endure trials, to still stand tall, even after other structures have been reformed. Don't you know that your body is a temple? Beautifully adorned by the one who crafted you, eyes picked out from sea glass itself, never was there any doubt that you are the most incredible creation that he crafted from nothing. Your bones speak a tale of rigidity, resilience, structure made to endure even if broken, your muscles of a complicated relationship between push and pull, between growth and being stagnant. Your skin is the most beautiful shade that he picked out. You already wear robes of grandeur. But when have you ever thought of yourself without that measure of self-doubt? Don't you know that your body is a temple? That the Father crafted you with purpose? With hands that serve others, with legs to run and hair to whip in the wind, don't you know? You are more valuable beyond gold. You are sought after, you are called child. That you have bridged the gap between mere creation and being part of God's family. You are royal blessed to do the Father's work, to live out his purpose in a way that makes the enemy nervous. Don't you know that your body is a temple? 
poured over, treasured, measured above all other creation. Look the Father in the eye and listen to the words he has said about you. You were made for more than you give yourself credit for. You are not alone. You are not forsaken. You are not disposable. You were made to conquer nations, to endure suffering, but to overcome it, to the end, to last till the end of life. You are on purpose. You are not forgotten. You are loved. Don't you know that your body is a temple? You want to just play throughout the rest of my sermon, too? <laughs> Man, well, I kind of feel like I could go home. You guys have been preached at already this morning. Um, welcome to week two of One Hit Wonders, uh, where we have been exploring how to make lasting change in your relationship with Jesus. And I don't have many excuses to wear my gym clothes to church, but this morning I have a really good one. <laughs> Uh, this morning, we are talking about getting healthy, and my roommate told me if I wear my gym clothes, I have to teach you guys how to do a squat, which I lovingly told her, no. <laughs> All right? Uh, so, uh, we, we, we have been exploring, oh man, I got to recover from that one. Uh, we have been exploring tangible, practical ways for us to make our relationship with Christ, not just a fleeting moment of excitement, but something that is a lasting change. And let me tell you what, nothing is quite as near and dear to my heart as this morning's challenge, which is get healthy. Now, a disclaimer on this sermon series. This is going to feel a lot like New Year's resolutions gone mad, okay? Uh, because every single week we're going to give you an audacious challenge that will change your life. And what I'm going to challenge you as your pastor is to look at these, these challenges, and when the Holy Spirit says, this is your one, you say, okay. <laughs> and you say, this is my one. This is for my season that I'm in. This is the challenge that I need to get a hold of. Amen? So you're going to hear a lot of things, and so over the next four weeks, you're going to have some pretty specific, difficult challenges to face. But my hope is that you can look at them, maybe prioritize them as maybe a track list, since we're in One Hit Wonders, <laughs> and say this one comes first, this one comes next, and then I'll move on to this. So this morning as we dive into get healthy, uh, I think we should just level the playing field. Um, I need, a, by a show of hands, who is in like their peak physical existence right now. Like, you've never skipped leg day, you went to the doctor, they put, they put your picture on the wall, like, you have never been as fit as you are today at 11.28. All right. Well, aside from the two of us, um, let me see, by a show of hands, who wishes that they were healthier? Yeah, can I get an amen, hallelujah? Don't even. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> but this is always an area that we can absolutely grow in, can't it be? And sometimes grow the wrong direction in, if I, if I be so bold. Um, but this is an area that affects all of us. And so what do we do with it? Um, Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I want to unpack three truths today that we need to wrestle with if we're going to make this lasting change. And the first one comes from this, this verse. It's, our bodies were made by God for God. Our bodies were created by God for God. Uh, Psalm 139, it says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Let me tell you what, when I think of God, I don't often think of him as a knitter. <laughs> but it says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And all the guys in here say, Maybe a little too complex. Um, <laughs> your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Hmm. Your workmanship is marvelous. Do you know? You're marvelous. They were wonderfully complex. Hmm. Now, truth is, body, the human body is incredibly complex, isn't it? You know, you just think of your systems, like the endocrine system and muscular system and skeletal system and respiratory system. We are incredibly complex people. And you know, in Scripture, there's something else that is pretty complex like that. It's actually from our Puzzled by the Bible series, the tabernacle. Remember, we walked through the tabernacle as if it was set up in our sanctuary itself. That building was in place, well, building, I use that loosely, was in place so that the people of God could be with God. And so it was set up with incredible intent, very complex, very purposeful, and also how you interacted with it was very purposeful too, wasn't it? You had to make sure that you were going about it in specific ways. And the, the temple is a lot like this building as well. Uh, when you enter this building, you probably have a certain amount of feelings. And maybe you feel uh, worshipful when you enter into this building. Maybe you feel at home in this building, especially if your home is connected to it. <clears throat> um, maybe you feel a certain amount of reverence when you walk into this building. And usually that manifests itself when you say, be good children, we're at church, <laughs> right? There's a certain amount of reverence and holiness and set-apartness about this building. And what does this have to do with getting healthy? 1 Corinthians 6:19. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. All right. I know I do this a lot, but turn your name and just say, you don't belong to yourself. Some of you guys kind of got a little offended by that, huh? <laughs> and some wives were like, uh-huh. <laughs> <Right? laughs> but, but you do not belong to yourself. You were, you were bought with a price. And this scripture, it says that you are a temple of God. Uh, in the Old Testament, they had the temple and the tabernacle to interact with God. In the New Testament, our little temples are sitting around in these chairs. Uh, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. To put it one way, in the Old Testament, God had the temple for his people. In the New Testament, he has his people as his temple. 
And we are called to be good stewards of that, which brings us to our second truth. You are called to be a good steward of your body. And just to get this out of the way, um, let's just do a group sigh. <sighs> right? Let it all out. It's fine. We can do another one. <sighs> we are called to be a good steward. And that's kind of frustrating. Uh, verse 19, it says, You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so that you must honor your God with your body. Paul is saying, you must be a good steward. Another good word for steward is manager. Uh, you, you are not an owner. You are a manager. And there's a huge difference, especially if you've worked in customer service. There's a difference between owner and manager. Owner has permanent, uh, permanent total control. And that's what God is. He has permanent, total control over you. And, and, and manager is a temporary control with zero ownership. Now, I would venture to say that we get these two roles confused. And that's where we slip up in this area. We start acting like an owner when we're really only managers of ourselves. Now, in our culture, it is very easy to find examples of when somebody acts like an owner when they're not. Uh, this is the toddler throwing a temper tantrum at McDonald's because they don't have their toy, acting like an owner when they are not. <laughs> you know, this is the woman that is, has a conniption because there's too many people in line at Walmart on a Saturday afternoon, acting like an owner. This is the guy who asks to see the manager because the ketchup is not waiting for him at his table, acting like an owner. And, and those, those examples, they're annoying, and they're also pretty rude. And I would say that we get these confused and we are pretty rude to the Lord when we act like owners, not managers. Uh, Psalm 24.1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people, belong to him. He is the owner and the creator. Uh, and ultimately, we are held responsible for everything the owner gives us. One of the most precious things that he's given you is that body you're sitting in right now. First Timothy 4 verse 8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. And I've heard that verse read, and people say, see, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, my physical body doesn't matter. I'm a spiritual being as if the first four words of that verse don't exist. Physical training is good. <laughs> and so often we neglect our bodies because we think, uh, as long as I'm good with Jesus, it's fine. But really, we are a body that is complex and also incredibly connected. Do you know the number one, uh, number one treatment for depression is? Aerobic activity. Uh, T. Colin Campbell, he's a biochemist that, that studies nutrition and how it affects our mental health. He says, good nutrition creates health in all areas of existence. All parts are interconnected. In fact, there are several studies that show that when you have aerobic activity, it increases the serotonin function in your brain, which is identical to what an antidepressant does. See, all of our parts, they are interconnected. 
And our physical bodies, they affect other dimensions of us. They affect us mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Are we being good managers of the gift we've been given? Because I would say that there are two extremes to this, and you will find yourself either on one side or the other or maybe in the middle. But the first extreme is what I would call we choose to abuse our bodies. Uh, when we decide that we're going to act like a manager or an owner and not a manager, we can sometimes abuse our bodies. Now, before we go into this, there is a disclaimer. Uh, John Piper, he wrote an article recently and said there is a difference between gluttony and obesity. He said, because everybody has different body types and different metabolisms, and you can't just say that this is physical appearance. Let me tell you what, uh, my family, the Hafners, we joke that the Hafner genes did not come installed with a metabolism, okay? Um, and I've struggled with this all my life, but if we were to be honest with each other, we know when we're making good and healthy choices, don't we? And we know when we're headed straight for the garbage can. <laughs> we know when we're making decisions to produce health, and we know when we are abusing those. And we can abuse our bodies. We can abuse the gifts that God has given us. And can we just all admit, our appetites, they are a gift from God. Am I right? <laughs> but don't we abuse those? There was a study that showed uh, between the ages of 30, sorry, of 20 and 50, you will eat 20,000 hours. 20,000 hours. That is 800 days. And then some good days, am I right? <laughs> then some good days. Because we love eating. And like talking about food, man, it's making me hungry for lunch, okay? We love it. You know, we gather around the table. We invite people over for dinner. Uh, in the Bible, we celebrate when we have enough food and enough substance, you know, sustenance. We, we celebrate things like communion. There's like a spiritual aspect to food. Uh, the old adage, a family that eats together, what? Stays together. Community is built around food. But there comes a point where our appetite, we can be more focused on what we're putting inside of us than what we're surrounding ourselves with. Philippians talks about this in Philippians 3, verse 19. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. Some other translations say their God is their stomach. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. And when it talks about appetites in that verse, it not only refers to physical food appetites, but it talks about the appetites of money and success and power and also food. And when we celebrate overindulgence, we abuse our bodies. We end up becoming a master, giving the masterhood of our lives to our appetite. So what happens when we do this? When, we ab when you abuse your body, you distort and devalue it, and indulgence becomes your master. I find it interesting. Usually in this realm, when we get to this place, we say things like, I'm out of shape. I am out of control. Reality is, you are in control just by something else. You have become controlled by something else besides our Creator. Now, this is only one side of the spectrum. 1 Timothy 
4, or sorry, 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. Let's read it again before we go on. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. The other side of this spectrum is that we choose to idolize our bodies. Uh, we live in a very body-conscious culture, don't we? Where we need to look our best and feel our best. And, and this world is, is definitely obsessed with a new diet, a new exercise, a new program. You know, the next big thing that's going to change your life forever. And it's not hard to find and spend money on those things. And to a certain point, we can become obsessed with this side, can't we? Where we are so focused on what we are eating and what we're doing. Um, on this side of things, though, <laughs> we could still be gluttons. Did you know that? The definition of gluttony is not eating too much. It's actually having an unhealthy obsession with food. So I can be a glutton over there just as much as I can be a glutton over here. I can be a glutton with how, how much less I'm putting in my system. And notice this. Uh, he says that our body is a temple. You've heard it multiple times this morning. Don't you know your body is a temple? But a temple is a place of worship. It is not an object of worship. Uh, I think about it when I think of this building. Uh, I love this building. You know, it's got a lot of quirks, but I love it. Because this is a place for worship. And when you come into this building, we gather around and we talk about Jesus and we become more and more like him. But because we have this building, we take care of this building. You know, we put maintenance, we improve it, uh, we, you know, clean out the gutters once every 30 years or something, you know, <laughs> we take care of it because it's a gift from God. Now, I was a part of a church a while ago that actually lost their building because they didn't take care of it. In the same way, we have been given and we are a temple. You are a spiritual being wrapped in a physical body. Are you taking care of your temple? I would never ask you to pray to our building. We cannot become obsessed with our temple, but we do have to take care of it. We do have to make sure uh, that it, it is held with worth and value because it is a gift from God a handcrafted, personalized, knitted-together gift, not to worship, but a place of worship. Similarly to this is that uh, I, don't, I don't have a temple and then decide, man, I'm just going to let it go, see what happens. Now, we are meant to take care of it, and what happens when we idolize our bodies is that when you idolize your body, you distort and over-elevate it. And appearance becomes your master. Appearance becomes your master. So this morning, I wonder where you find yourself. You know, if I were to ask you to come up and stand where you'd find yourself on this, this spectrum, would you be leaning towards one side? Would you be, like, heavily in the other direction? Where would you find yourself? Because I would argue that there's a middle ground. And that's where scripture provides a lot of wisdom. Let's read that verse again. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So where's the middle ground? 
God calls us to honor our bodies. What in the world does that mean? You know, if I googled body care, woof, you know, there'd be a flood of things that you could do and all sorts of things you could buy and all sorts of people you could follow to honor your body. But I'm going to make this very simple. We honor this space, this building, not by how we lift it up, but by how we live inside of it. How we live inside of our body, it matters. And God cares about us so much that he paid for us at a very high cost. Uh, doxology, uh, sorry, doxos is the word that we get honor in this, in this text, which is where we get our word doxology. Doxazos, it means to honor. And uh, logos means spoken word. And this is so cool. You were meant, the way we live, you are called to be walking, breathing expressions of his glory. That your life would actually speak of the splendor of our God. He didn't handcraft you, knit you together for nothing. He did so so that you could reflect his glory. I love how N.T. Wright puts this. He says, Jesus paid the price of his own life his own blood, to rescue human beings like you and me. If you pay a lot of money for a wonderful book, you don't start tearing pages out to make shopping lists or writing rude words in the margins. If you pay a lot of money for a lovely house, you don't spray paint pa silly patterns on the front door. In the same way, those who have been bought at a tremendous cost must remind themselves of what special people they are and learn to and behave accordingly. At the heart of this message, our God says, you are called and you are given life in its fullest. And that is true physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. I have called that you would have life in its fullest, that you would have freedom. What would it take for us to look in the mirror and see a masterpiece? What would it take for us to look in the mirror and see a life in abundance? I don't know. But I bet this is a good start. Saying, you have given me a temple, and I am going to care for it as such. The last, uh, the last truth is not so much a truth as a challenge. You must conquer what conquers you. You must conquer what conquers you. And I actually have a video of what this looks like. So watch this video with me. Such a feeling's coming over me. There is wonder in most everything I see. Not a cloud in the sky. Got the sun in my eyes and I won't be surprised if it's a dream. I'm on the top of the world. <laughs> this is the end. Beautiful friend. <laughs> this is the end. My only friend. The end. Oh. Ha, 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 ha.
You have to conquer what conquers you, right? <laughs> and I will be the first to say it. <laughs> I hate working out. Like anybody else with me, like some of you guys, yeah, like got a foot up there too. Like I hate it. Um, I don't enjoy, you know what I do love though? Uh, let me tell you what. And maybe you guys do and I could get some amens and hallelujahs. I love sitting on the couch and watching Netflix. Oh, yeah. You know what else I love? <sighs> Close. Donuts. Donuts are so good. They have a special place in my heart, right? And when I list things that I love, uh, being physical training and eating well, that's not on the top of the list, if you know what I mean. It, it kind of drives me insane. Um, and it, I think that it's really hard to do. Uh, if I were to be really honest with you, in January, uh, after I got back from South Dakota, I threw out my back. Uh, it was some of the most painful pain I've ever experienced in my entire life. Um, when this happened, I was actually had to, I had to travel up to Montana for a pastoral conference. And I was there, and I was in my hotel room. It was the middle of the night. And I got up out of my bed, and I had a shooting spasm. And I fell on the floor, and I couldn't get back up. Now, when that happened, I thought, where's my phone? I need to call somebody. And it was actually on the bed that I couldn't lift myself up enough to get. And I thought, man, I'm 27 years old. I need a life alert button. <laughs> like, this is where I'm at. And that was a wake-up call for me. It hurt so bad. And I thought, Lindsay, you got to get active. Uh, because the more uh, Netflix and donuts that I had, the more that pain was just settling into my back. And so reluctantly, I got a Y membership, and I got a workout buddy, and we started doing some stuff. <laughs> we started doing swim fitness, which Valerie lovingly calls switness. Uh, we started Zumba. We started uh, doing interval training. We started jogging. We started lifting started all these things, three to four times a week we would go and we'd do these things. Now let me tell you what, this never begins with me waking up in the morning, stretching and thinking, gosh, I'm so excited to sweat today. <laughs> um, this also never begins with me waiting for her to get home from work, going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, we're going to be in so much pain, let's go, let's go, let's go. How this does start is one couch potato... <laughs> rolls over, looks at the other couch potato and says, so we doing this? <laughs> and then we do it. Because you have to conquer what conquers you. And the most frustrating part about this whole thing is I've been doing this since January. Guess what else? This isn't even instant. I was at the doctor this week, and I had life-changing information given to me. She said, I said, I am in this process for so long. I hate this. I'm sweatness and intervals and sweat. And she says, Lindsay, a healthy recommended amount of weight for you to lose is two to three pounds a month. She said, anything above that is at risk for you not to be able to sustain it. So this isn't instant. This isn't easy. And there's a lot of sweat involved. But I think that our temples are worth it. Maybe you come to this and you say, I need to conquer what conquers me. I need to be the mouse in the trap, pumping iron, you know? I need to do those things. And maybe this is your challenge. 
And you'd say, Lindsay, how do I know if this is my challenge? I will tell you, uh, if the thought of this being your challenge makes you want to die, it might be a good indicator that this is your challenge. <laughs> and so if this is your challenge, if you say, man, I need to, to strengthen in this area. Like nobody commits their life to Christ and thinks, thank you, Jesus, my Sundays are forever changed. No, we want to make lasting change, that our whole lives look different. Maybe today is the day that you say, I got to stop smoking. I got to give that up. I got to put it away. Maybe today's the day you say, I need to stop letting alcohol be my master. Maybe today's the day that you say, I need to actually start monitoring what I eat. And maybe I need to start looking at exercising again. Maybe that's you. And if today, if you say, this is my challenge, this is it. I don't even need to see the rest. I know this one's it. Um, I have my phone number here. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to take out your cell phones. This is your only time that I'm going to say be on your cell phones during church. But, and everybody can take their cell phones out so nobody feels self-conscious and weird. But if you don't already have my number, save it. And I want you just to simply text me and say, I got to get healthy. And text me your name just in case I don't have it. And what this is going to do, it's not going to, I mean, there's no supernatural power. If I could just, like, make you healthy from a text, I would. Um, but what this will do is that this is going to put you on a list for me. One that I'm going to be praying through every single week. Praying specifically for your physical health. And then I'm going to do something else. Uh, studies show that it takes 30 days to start any habit and to keep it ingrained. So I'm going to text you 30 days from now. And I'm going to say, how's it going? How can I be praying for you? How can I do this? And then I'm going to text you again in 60 days. I'm going to say, how's it going? How are you doing in this? Sometimes you just need an accountability partner to check in with you, right? Then, just to be safe, I'm going to text you in 90 days. <laughs> and you're going to get sick of me. And I'm going to say, how are you doing? How are you doing in this? How can I be praying for you? And then just to make sure we're, we're, we're solid, I'm going to text you in 120 days. And I'm going to ask, how are you doing? That's four months from now, so like right around Christmas time. I'm going to say, has this become a habit? How are you being a temple? And if that's you, would you please text me? Um, I'd love to be that person for you. I'd love for you to text me every once in a while, ask me if I got my butt out of bed to do it too. That's all good. Fair enough? So let's pray together. God, this morning, this is a very personal and practical way that we can know you more. This is a way that we worship. God, we may not want to admit it, but this is more of a spiritual issue than we would like it to be. God, we are a people that are about holiness, and that holiness means that nothing else is our master except for you. God, would you help us to be rebellious against this master? And God, to reach out to other people to say, come and join me in this. Lord, to, to go out of our comfort zone and say, man, I'm going to join Amanda's Zumba class. Lord, I, um, man, I'm going to go jogging. God, would you give us an encouragement and an empowerment that only your Holy Spirit can provide? God, we don't want this to be a fad. We don't want this to be just something that we do every once in a while. Lord, we want this to be a lifelong change. God, so with all of our might, we commit to you that we are not owners. God, our bodies belong to you. 
you gave us this gift. God, would you teach us how to be managers of that, to be good stewards of what you've given us so that our temples, they can reflect your glory. Lord, I, I think of the temple as such a beautiful image of people coming together to lift your name high. God, can our temples, can they be people that come together to lift your name high and let nothing hinder that? Jesus, I don't want to live a life of overindulgence and then at the end of it, pray for a miracle. God, I want to be a good steward now and I want to trust you with all that I am and all that I could be. God, and if it takes my overly ambitious pastor texting me every 30 days, God, would you just let me do that, and would you help me to do that? Lord, we love you so much, and we give you all that we are every single week. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me?